Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're doing well. I always pray that and that you are walking with Christ. Um, someone wanted to ask a long time in a women's conference, how many are doing well under the circumstances? And 95% of them raised their hand. And she said, well, what are you doing under there? What are you doing under the circumstances? <laughs> God should be directing our hearts and our lives. And uh, so that we're not subject to circumstances, that our emotions are not subject to uh, what's around us. I, I, often when I, are, uh, when I get subject to circumstances or people doing certain things, I think often of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, because you don't see her, you see her being agitated and angry at sin, but you don't see a personal irritation in her. Um, because she was a woman of peace, and nothing disturbed her peace. It's what Saint Teresa of Avila said: "Let nothing disturb you." I haven't, I haven't reached that myself, but it's a goal. And and the first step to that sort of goal and virtue is to know it exists, to know that it's possible, um, that our circumstances do not depend on what is external to us but what is in our heart. That's why some people can be handicapped or sick in some way or limited in some way, and they, they're miserable. They're miserable, self-absorbed. Um, they suffer all the time. And others can be truly uh, ten times worse than them and be at peace because their life is in God and they trust him. So these are good words. They're not always easy to live. I know that. I know that. But... It's good that we think of them. Even when I tell you them, it helps me to say, that's right, Mother, be reminded of that. So we're going to continue and perhaps finish today the paper we've been going through. It is the Declaration of the Truths Relating to Some of the Most Common Errors in the Life of the Church of Our Time, written by four magnificent shepherds of the Church, Cardinal Raymond Burke and Cardinal Giannis Pujats, of um, uh, St. Mary in Astana, which is in Kakistan, Far East Russia, uh, Jan Paul Lenga, Archbishop Bishop Emeritus of Karaganda, and I'm not quite sure where Karaganda is in relation to Astana, and uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, who we know and love and who has been uh, helping the faithful all over the world to know the truth against the confusion of our day. And uh, Bishop Snyder is Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, Kakistan. So we're going to continue. And the section we're on now, which is the paper's final section, it was written just in May of this year. It's the paper's, fi- paper's final section. It's on the sacraments, and we are right at the sacrament of penance. I'll begin where we left off yesterday. It's number 36. And so it says, the sacrament of penance, let me see now, what did I do here? I 
I got it. Hold on a moment. The sacrament of penance is the only ordinary means by which grave sins committed after baptism may be remitted. Now remember, through baptism, we truly become a child of God, a new creature in Christ. The old things are passed away. Apostle Paul says, behold, all things are new. We are free from the stain of original sin. We still have its effects called concupiscence. We still have a tendency to sin, but we're free from its power. And we are free from all the sins of our past, just like the thief on the cross when Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise, clean as a newborn baptized baby. (laughs) We used to say clean as a newborn baby, but a newborn baby is not clean. That baby is born into original sin, but a baptized baby is spotless before God, inside and out. And so we become, even if we're baptized at age 100, we become newborn babes in Christ. And um, whatever sin we commit following baptism, in a sense, is the first sin that we will be accountable for. And um, and any sin that is grave, the church does not require, or I should say no longer requires, us to go to confession even once a year, except for mortal sin. Mortal means dead. It means death. Uh, it means that we've committed sin that meet the requirements of mortal, which means um, we know it's grave. Uh, meaning that it's a, a very serious or grave sin. Now, people could commit a grave sin, murder, adultery, uh, other things, but they don't know that it's mortal. They're not Catholic. They don't understand that. The sin is as grave. If there's a, a primitive tribe somewhere and they have multiple wives, they don't know that. They don't know that it's, it's to them it's not adultery. Um, uh, murder is just a way of life, in a sense. I think they have a conscience letting them know it's not good. This is true. They know it's a serious uh, crime, but for them it's not mortal because they don't understand the requirements of mortal sin. They're not Catholic. For a grave sin to be mortal, meaning that we automatically excommunicate ourselves from the church, if we have an abortion, we excommunicate ourselves from the church. The priest, the pope, no one has to do that. We do. That is a mortal sin. If one is Catholic, again, if they know that it's grave, if they know that it's an evil, and they are aware of that, they know that that sin will separate them from God, and they do it freely of their own will, meaning there's no gun to their head, they're, they're not uh, drugged, uh, it's it. They make that choice themselves. Then they excommunicate themselves, and they cut themselves off from God and the Church. And the only way back is through a true, uh, godly sorrow, a true confession through a priest. That's the only way back, unless someone is at the point of death and they make an act of perfect contrition. But there are very few people that can make that act of perfect. Contrition. It's not a matter of being sorry um, that we're in trouble with God or sorry for the consequences or sorry now that we did that because it's going to lead us to hell. It means truly being repentant that we would have sinned against a holy God in such a way. Okay. And so 
um, the sacrament of penance. Now, for venial sins, we're not required to go to confession for them to be forgiven. Venial sins do not separate us from the life of God, but we must confess them, beloved. Um, Now, we confess them at Mass. The beginning of every Mass is absolution, a general absolution from sin. And if you confess it during the confidior, Um, and the priest absolves the congregation, you are absolved. If that's your intention, you are absolved. I suggest going to confession for any sin, venial or not. And I suggest going to confession no less than once a month, no less, because if you're not aware of any sins, you still committed them. I don't think, and I don't know that anyone on earth simply does not sin at all within a month's time. It it would be extremely rare. I'm not saying it's not possible. So when we go to confession, we can say uh, to the to the priest, Father, it's uh, um, I have sinned. Forgive me. It's been a month since my last confession. I can't remember any. I'm so sorry for that. But I know I've committed sins against a holy God, and I'm sorry for them, even though I don't know what they are. You see, the Father will believe you, and he will he will give you forgiveness and a penance which is a penance not in order for you to be forgiven, but because you have been forgiven. And the Catholic Church has given us the almost unbelievable grace of a gift of making reparation, repairing the wrongs that we have done. Not in order to be forgiven, but because we are forgiven. So now let me reread this number 35. The sacrament of penance is the only ordinary means by which grave sins committed after baptism may be remitted. And by divine law, all such sins must be confessed by number and by species. You can't simply say, I committed a grave sin. You cannot simply say, I really hurt someone. You have to say what it is specifically, not let the priest guess, not talk around it. God knows what it is, and our confessions are to God, um, always. Um, That priest is is a human being, but if we could see what God does in that sacrament, the priest wouldn't exist. We hear his voice, but it's Christ who says, I absolve you. It's God alone who forgives sins, and it's Christ who says, I absolve you through his human instrument, the priest, and you are absolved. And when we go into the confessional, we need to go with that thought because we go to some priests who we don't want to confess such things and we know that they're in sin themselves. Um, it's, it's, uh, we're in a terrible situation in the church in this day. So when I go to confession, I speak to our Lord Jesus Christ. I know I'm speaking to a man on the other side, a priest on the other side, of that confessional wall, but I say it as if I'm saying to Christ, because I am. I am. And the priest doesn't know. And he may uh, have a terrible of opinion of me because he's human. That's, that's a fault on his part. But um, Christ knows before I say a word. And if I don't reveal my full sin, I'm, 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 fool. I'm a fool. The fool in his heart says there's no God. And if I confess to the priest as if I'm confessing to a man afraid of what he thinks of me, I'm human, that can happen. But I must know that I'm speaking to God, and if I hold anything back 
or say it in a way that's kind of going to excuse me or make me sound still like a good person. Um, I'm a fool because God knows all things. How could we not be honest with him? Okay, number 36. Now, this is extremely important. Well, everything is extremely important, but this is an attack of our day. By divine law, the confessor may not violate the seal of the sacrament of penance for any reason whatsoever. No ecclesiastical authority has the power to dispense him from the seal of the sacrament and the civil power, which is wholly incompetent to oblige him to do so. Now, you know that they've been playing with passing a law, I think, in California. I don't think it's been passed, but I I have to check on that, where the priest must reveal a confession if someone says comes to confession and says, I've abused five young people, even if it's another priest. The priest may not reveal that to the law or to another priest or to the bishop or to anyone. He must not reveal it. It is the seal of confession. Now, he can do what he wants as a penance. He can give a penance of telling that a conf- the uh, um, the confessee, he can tell him as a penance to go to the law and turn himself in. But he may not. The priest may not reveal that. So when the law says that a priest um, on penalty of going to jail or death must reveal the confession of anyone, of anyone, even the Pope, of anyone, he may not do that. No priest can say, I was forced to do that. No one is forced to sin. No one, ever. If you say, I was forced to have that abortion, well, you're not. Nobody's forced. Well, my parents wouldn't give in. They don't have to give in. But you don't give in. You don't give in. Now, if your parents drug you and drag you there and hold you down on the table and you have absolutely no strength, no say, no power whatsoever, then the sin is on them, not on you. That's for sure. But if if they say, if you have this abortion, you're no longer our daughter, we throw you out of the house, uh, you won't have anything left, uh, we don't know you anymore, or whatever it is, there's nobody forces you to have that abortion. Nobody can force you to kill a human being. A husband who won't um, uh, have intimate relations with you or is angry because you're Catholic and, and will not use contraception and he, he says you must, no, you must not. Well, he'll leave me. Let him leave you. Sin against God before you sin against anyone else. Sin against, and rather the opposite, I'm so sorry. Sin against anyone else. Break up your marriage. But don't sin against God. Nobody forces us to sin. Again, unless yeah, if, there are, if there's a gun to our head, um, uh, it's still a choice, beloved. If there's a gun to our head, it's still a choice. That's how the saints died, because there were guns to their head. And they said, you'll die if you don't do this. You'll die if you don't let me do that. And they didn't. 
and they died. Rather than offend God. Rather than preserve their life. That's heroic. Uh, And you can say not everyone is made for that kind of sacrifice. Has nothing to do with what we're made for. It has to do with the grace and the power of God who can do anything. Number 37. By virtue of the will of Christ and the unchangeable tradition of the Church, the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist may not be given to those who are in a public state of objectively grave sin. And sacramental absolution may not be given to those who express their unwillingness to conform to divine law, even if their unwillingness pertains only to a single grave matter. We could talk a lot on this one. I'm just going to read it again. By virtue of the will of Christ and the un changeable tradition of the church. The sacrament of the Holy Eucharist may not be given to those who are in a public state of objectively grave sin. A man and woman living together are in a state of public, objectively grave sin. Well, you say, but nobody knows it but us. God knows it. You may not receive the Eucharist if you are intimate outside of a valid marriage. Two homosexual men living together in grave sin, you must not receive the Eucharist. Two women living together, you must not receive the Eucharist. You must not receive the sacraments unless you are truly repentant, which means turned from what the church says, repent and turn from your evil ways. Those are evil ways. And you say, are you calling me an evil person? Those aren't words from my mouth. But what you're doing is evil. God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. Okay, number 38. According to the constant tradition of the church, the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist may not be given to those who deny any truth of the Catholic faith by formally professing their adherence to a heretical or to an officially officially schismatic Christian community. So, according to the constant tradition of the Church, the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist may not be given to those who deny any truth of the Catholic faith. How do they deny it? By formally professing their adherence to a heretical or to an officially schismatic Christian community. If you are part of a schismatic community in the church, that is a community, an apostolate, any group who is not in union with the one holy Catholic and apostolic church under the Holy Father, under the Pope, then they are schismatic. There are the Sedevacantist group, Sedevacantist, Sedevacant, Vacantist, Vacant. This means the seat is vacant. It means the chair of Peter is vacant. And they do not recognize the current Pope. They are schismatic. They are schismatic. And um, they must not receive communion. And they do because they're schismatic. But if you ever go into one of their churches and you receive communion with them, you will be schismatic. 
you will be cut off because you're saying you're in communion with them, not with the church Christ founded. Number 39. The law by which priests are bound to observe perfect continence in celibacy stems from the example of Jesus Christ and belongs to immemorial and apostolic tradition according to the constant witness of the fathers of the church and of the Roman pontiffs. Let me read that one again. The law by which priests are bound to observe perfect continence in celibacy stems from the example of Jesus Christ and belongs to immemorial and apostolic tradition according to the constant witness of the fathers of the church and of the Roman pontiffs. For this reason, this law should not be abolished in the Roman church through the innovation of an optional priestly celibacy, either at the regional or the universal level. The perennial valid witness of the church states that the law of priestly continence does not command new precepts. These precepts should be observed because they have been neglected on the part of some through ignorance and sloth. These precepts nevertheless go back to the apostles and were established by the fathers. As it is written, quote, that's from Second Thessalonians, quote, Stand firm then, brothers, and keep the traditions that we taught you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. There are, in fact, many who, ignoring the statutes of our forefathers, have violated the chastity of the church by their presumption and have followed the will of the people, not fearing the judgment of God. Beloved, these are serious, serious, serious matters. The final one, number 40. By the will of Christ and the divine constitution of the church, only baptized men may receive the sacrament of orders, holy orders, whether in the episcopacy, the, that's the bishop, uh, bishopric, the being a bishop, the priesthood, or diaconate. Furthermore, the, uh, the assertion is wrong that says that only an ecumenical council can define the matter because the teaching authority of an ecumenical council is not more extensive than that of the Roman pontiff. Women may not be priests. To be a sacrament, you need two matters, two factors. You need um, the proper formula, the wording, the consecration, and the proper matter, what is being consecrated. At the Eucharist, the words are the words of the consecration of the priest, which are Christ's words and which the priest speaks. And the matter is wheat and water, nothing else. Not a fancy bread, not rice wafers, nothing else. Only wheat and water. Even a low-gluten host must contain a, a little bit of wheat to have a little bit of gluten to, in order to be a host. That's why it's low-gluten. It's There's no such thing as a non-gluten host of Holy, Holy Communion. If there's no gluten, 
it, it won't become the body and blood of Christ. It must be bread. And in order to be bread, it needs to have, uh, needs to be wheat and water. So if it's wheat and water, no matter how much wheat, um, then it's valid matter. And the words of the consecration of the priest are valid words. The same thing with the priesthood. You need the words of consecration, which is the laying on hands of the bishop, and you need, um, you need the right matter. And the right matter is a man, not a woman. You can say the Pope himself, anybody could say any words of consecration, lay hands, they have a million hands on a woman. She will not become a priest. She will become a woman that words have been spoken to, but they're powerless, they're meaningless. She is not a priest. She's absolutely not a priest. What did we watch um, here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope? We watched some meeting with Catholics and others, some ecumenical meeting, and uh, two women priests came up in their albs, in their robes, and you could see their priest collars under their robes. It, it made us nauseous. It's, it, it's, it's just debased. And the fact is they're not priests. Beloved, we have finished that paper. Hallelujah. And Monday we will start something completely new. And right now we have the rest of the program for you to call in toll-free with anything on your heart or text at one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. Weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Did you know that without even saying a word, you can share with others that Catholic Radio is available? By placing our free bumper magnet on your car, you can let everyone on the road know that they can tune in to learn more about Christ and His Church. We offer free bumper magnets to promote Catholic Radio so others will come to know our Lord through listening. For your free bumper magnets, click the Promote tab at the top of our website, thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab at the top of our website. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio wherever your journeys take you.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you on Mother Miriam Live. I'm so happy about that. I tell you that all the time. I'm very happy about that. We're going to go to your calls and emails, and I want to tell you that our lines are wide open, and we've got a whole half hour to ourselves, and you can call or text or email with anything on your heart. The toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. Or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from uh, Connor <clears throat> who emailed us before, and he says, "I sent you uh, the previous email, and he uh, has the email he first sent us, which I don't think we'll need to read based on his current email." He said, "I sent you the previous email about my Vietnamese fiance. You gave me the advice." of waiting until she got baptized in the church to marry and said, I can pray the rosary with her. We are currently in different countries and I visit her when I get vacation time. She is in Vietnam. Vietnam. I am in Japan. I have been praying the rosary of sorrows, auxilium Christianorum prayers and auxiliary prayers for the Deloran Father Society daily due to Father Ripiger's influence. I tell you, I'm going to pause right there, beloved, to um, to uh, applaud Father Ripiger and his website. Go to Auxilium Christianorum, and you will get magnificent prayers for your spiritual growth, for spiritual warfare, growth in virtue. Uh, it's absolutely magnificent. Connor says, I told my fiance about the last part you said that she ought to be baptized before we got married. She got mad at me for changing the previous agreement of getting baptized after. Now, I'm going to stop right there for saying when a fiance gets angry because her husband-to-be is wants to be an honorable man, uh, then you say to her, honey, if we get married, number one, uh, I didn't know this at the time, but I realize it more fully now. I will be committing sin in marrying you because the scriptures tell us not to marry an unbeliever, which you would be if you're unbaptized. Um, and secondly, we would not be able to consummate our marriage on our marriage night or on the honeymoon because I would not be able to come together with you intimately if you're not baptized. So you could say all that. It's all true. Um And anyway, she got mad. She doesn't understand those things. She got mad at me for changing the previous agreement of getting baptized after. After the argument, the result was that she was not ready for baptism and needed time. You see, that's one of the reasons I say to do to do that after to get married after baptism, because she's revealed to you it's not time. And so many people get married because. One of the two spouses is going to convert, whatever, but they don't. Or they do it mechanically, but they don't really believe, and the marriage cannot work. And he says, this is a fantastic ending, he said a day later, 
she was asking the father of her local church to go to Catholic prep classes for baptism, and she signed up. Our Lady of Sorrows always wins. Thank you, Mother Miriam, and may Our Lady shield you under her mantle. God bless you, Connor. That's a good ending, and you make sure that um, if she becomes Catholic, that it's because she's becoming Catholic, not in name only to please you um, or to make things legitimate. Okay, text number one. We have uh, from someone who writes, Hi, Mother. I was trained as an EM. Now, I'm going to guess EM stands for Eucharistic Ministers. I'm going to guess that. Um, And again, I want to repeat, there's no such thing as a Eucharistic minister. There is only such a thing as an extraordinary, extraordinary minister of the Eucharist. The ordinary minister of the Eucharist is the priest, period, or the deacon. Nobody else. No lay people. But for extraordinary circumstances, lay people can be extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist. And this person says, I was trained as an EM over 30 years ago. I went to hospitals, nursing homes, and private homes to bring the Holy Eucharist. A few years ago, I decided not to do this anymore since hearing Pope Benedict's words on the need for only ordained and consecrated priests and deacons to give the Holy Eucharist. Blessed be God forever. Why do our churches today still use Eucharistic ministers at Mass and to visit the sick? And this is uh, Roberta in Arizona. Um, The reason they do it is because they're disobedient. They want to do their own thing. I have no other answer. It is inexcusable for a priest not to know uh, what the Pope's have said. It's absolutely inexcusable. And it's inexcusable for a bishop to not know what his priests are doing. But the problem today is very few bishops and priests, I'm going to say it, the minority, I don't, I, well, I don't say very few, but I do say the minority of bishops and priests are willing to obey the church. They want expediency, Uh, or they get permission from their bishop, and they should not listen to their bishop if the bishop is against Rome. And it is an atrocity. And some may say they didn't know that, they didn't read it, but that's their responsibility. They are not excused for not knowing it. But once you tell them and show them where it's written, now they know it. And if they're sincere, they will change. Nobody at the parish we go to distributes Holy Communion, no matter how packed it is. There could be standing room only. No one but the priests distribute Holy Communion. There will never be a reason for that. No layperson takes the Holy Eucharist to hospitals. That is the priest. So, Roberta, it's because we live in a time when priests and bishops are no longer shepherds. They want to do their own thing. They no longer believe in the Holy Eucharist, that they would give it into the hands of lay people to take all over the place. I've been in Novus Ordo Masses where the Eucharist is put in a little pix, P-I-X, or maybe three or four uh, hosts, 
because that person is going to go and distribute the Eucharist to people in the hospital, and they put in their little picks around their neck, and they go back to their seat and they sit down for the rest of the Mass. It, it's a, an abomination. It's a horror. Everybody around them should be on their knees, bowing before them. They walk outside and have social conversations while they're holding Christ. It, it's a, it, it's a, an age of apostasy. People no longer believe what and who the Eucharist is. It's awful, Roberta. Uh, there's no reason except apostasy. There's our music for our second break, and we'll be right back, beloved. Call in or text with anything on your heart. We'll be right back. The Station of the Cross offers online tutorials to help you get the most out of your iCatholic radio app. You'll be introduced to our latest features and the opportunities available for not only listening to our live stream, but also to a variety of podcasts of our shows, prayers, and special presentations. For these tutorials and more, click on the iCatholic radio link located on the Stations page of our website, thestationofthecross.com. Users of iCatholic Radio are raving about our app in the iTunes and Google Play stores. One user says, It's exactly what I was looking for since having a closer walk with my Lord and my God. Great app for the living Catholic. Praise God. Nancy says, This is the best app. I have become a regular listener to it. I use it every day. I also play it all night long while we sleep. Get this app and use it. It will change your life for the better. Another user recommends iCatholic Radio, saying, So sweet a sound. This has allowed me to listen to Catholic Radio when I travel. What an awesome learning tool. Thank you. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, what are you waiting for? Visit your iTunes or Google Play store today. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in excerpts from A Prayer by St. Bonaventure. Pierce, O most sweet Lord Jesus, my inmost soul, with the most joyous and healthful wound of your love, and with true, calm, and most holy apostolic charity, that my soul may ever languish and melt with entire love and longing for you, may yearn for you and for your courts, may long to be dissolved and to be with you. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you. We have uh, almost 20 minutes all to ourselves. Our lines are wide open. We have only one uh, caller off the line. And so if you call in or email or text immediately, we will take your calls right away. Uh, We have a call uh, from John from Kentucky who left this message offline. What do you think of priests con-celebrating the Mass? Is it a good thing? Should it continue? 
Is it allowed in the Latin Mass? Thank you. I respect your opinion on these things. Well, um, John, I try never to give my opinion if there's church teaching involved. Uh, con celebration, that is more than one priest celebrating, is not allowed in the Latin Mass. It has never been allowed, that, to my knowledge, prior to Vatican II and the institution, or I should say the creation of the new Mass. Um, the Novus Ordo allows con celebration. So I, I could tell you that I wish it weren't the case, that I wish uh, there were no Novus Ordo, I could tell you that. But um, I know a lot of people will be against me for that, and that's why I say it's not church teaching, because the church teaching is the legitimacy of the Novus Ordo Mass and the legitimacy of uh, uh, con celebration. So um, what I think is we need to allow what the church has said. I do not think con celebration should be uh, allowed. Uh, what's happened is that even without con celebration, a priest is supposed to celebrate Mass every single day, and many priests do not. Many priests do not. And so we are just slipping away from the faith, and the church is being destroyed, and the faith is being destroyed. So what I think is that Latin Mass, no, because it doesn't allow it, Novus Ordo, uh, the, the church allows it, so I'm not going to speak against it, um, except that I could tell you I wish it didn't exist. The church allows female altar service. I think that is a, 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 a tremendous mistake. But the church allows it, and so I hope it will be reversed soon. wasn't always the case. The uh, altar server uh, situation is often prepara- preparation for the priesthood. Nobody belongs at that altar but a man. Nobody but men belong in the service of the altar. No one but men. A woman should not be a sacristan. Nobody but men. You know, I go uh, to different churches at different times, and I see, you know, one church celebrates um, both. They'll celebrate the Latin Mass with every bit of reverence and only male altar service, and if they pass the tabernacle, they will always genuflect and walk respectfully with their hands folded, just beautiful. And I was at a particular church, and the next Mass was the Novus Ordo. And so the altar was turned around, everything was changed to set up for that. And women walking all over the place in their kind of business pace and not genuflecting before the Eucharist, some of them turned around and gave a tiny little quick head nod, uh, walking back and forth all over the place in short skirts. It, it is just an abomination, absolute abomination. It's the fruit of the Novus Ordo Mass that no one would have. There's no reason to have done away with reverence, but how we pray is how we live. I forget the, the uh, how we pray is what we believe and is what we live. And so um, it's understandable, but it's tragic. We have a call from Joan on the line. Are you there, dear one? Yes, I am. Hi, Joan. Hello. Thank- Hello. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, dear one. Go ahead with your question. First of all, thank you for your wonderful Catholic insight and sharing it with us. Oh, good, Joan. Um, my thank question, you. Mm-hmm. 
My question is regarding the Eucharistic or Extraordinary Ministers, whichever yes. that is. Sure. Um, I Extraordinary have Ministers members. of the Eucharist. I'm just clarifying that. Uh, we take shortcuts okay. today, but Extraordinary Ministers of uh-huh. the Eucharist is the Church's language. It's not my traditional pre- okay. preference. So go ahead, dear. Go ahead. Okay. I have family members who are okay. EMs. Extraordinary uh-huh. ministers. Gotcha. And now I'm. Now you've got me. Um, hmm. Do I speak to them? Do I tell them this is wrong? You shouldn't be doing it because no. they feel so wonderful about. Yes, being I know. Able I wouldn't tell them that. Share this. Yeah, I wouldn't tell no. them that, okay. Joan. I have because, a no. the, because the church has okayed it, and um, it's an awful thing. Now, if you go back to Pope Benedict's letter, I'd have to find that. Um, but I'd also need to look up canon law. If you if you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which I would need to do to look this up, if it speaks of so-called extraordinary ministers or um, extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist, I'd have to see specifically. I, I'd need to look it up and see what it says. But um, the problem, so the Church does allow that. The problem is um, they're scheduled throughout the year. So they're not looking at extraordinary circumstances. That's the problem, and that is wrong. That is wrong. Um, Because the church will say, okay, we need six every Sunday or six at every Mass, whatever it is. And they schedule ahead for the Sundays of the year. That's not extraordinary. That's, That's become ordinary. That has become ordinary. Extraordinary means extraordinary means. It means the priest broke his leg and can't walk and needs help. It means something. I don't know what, but it's extraordinary circumstances. So to be scheduling so-called Eucharistic ministers or extraordinary ministers of the Holy Eucharist on a regular basis throughout the year is really a degradation of the Mass, and that is not what the Church calls for. So that is wrong. But if you discuss it with your family, do it very gently, or or those you know who are uh, so-called Eucharistic ministers, do it very gently, very humbly, and at a very appropriate time, so you don't barge into their life and destroy what they love. Uh, But at a right time when you're speaking about the Mass, you could say, you know what I've just learned that um and and I know that you are extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist or, or Eucharistic ministers, however you say it, and I know that you love it and I know you love God and I know you're serving him and you would never let it be done in an irreverent way. But I learned that actually it shouldn't be the case on a regular basis. It should be for extraordinary uh, circumstances. And here's what Pope Benedict wrote and all of that. I would I would not do it in a critical way, but in a discovery way. Now, we could understand it if we're talking about r- regular food that we eat at meals, right? Um, not the food of the Eucharist. We could say, you know, um, it's all over the world today. You know, let's just say I've been using certain sweeteners, uh, su- sugar substitutes for years and years. And, you know, I just learned that this one sweetener um, deteriorates your brain over time. All right, and you print out an article, 
And they're going to say, you got to be kidding. I've been using that too, you see. So that kind of thing. Uh, one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Very, that sort of thing to say, you know what? I didn't know it either. And so that's how you need to approach it. Very easily, very respectfully. Because if you come down on them hard and um, you're going to just turn them away. You'll turn them away, and not only will you cause difficulty in your relationship, which is not too much of the problem. The problem is um, you're going to cut them off from ever knowing the truth. So be careful how you address it. But yes, I think it'd be good to address at an appropriate time, even if you have to wait some months for the appropriate conversation. Okay, I thank you so much. You're um, welcome, Joan. I really appreciate your 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 thoughts. Thank you very Good. much. God bless you, dear one. We have a call on the line from Tom. Hi, Tom. Hello, Mother. How are you today? I am terrific. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Mother, I've never been comfortable receiving the Eucharist in my hand. Good. Um... I was born in the early 60s, I've, and until they changed it, it was always kneeling at, kneeling at, the, at the rail with a patent under the host and receiving on the tongue. That's what it should um, be. And let me, just, let me just change one word of yours, and it's the word change. The church didn't change it. The norm, according to the rubrics of the church, is still on the tongue. It is was allowed as an exception to be received on the hand. The norm is still the tongue. People right. don't know that. Well, okay, we usually go to Latin Mass. Good. Because, and I, I told my family how, how, what life was like when I was younger. And uh, they, I prefer to kneel, which is why Good. we go to Nat to Latin Mass, to kneel okay. before my king. Okay. Um, if I go to a Norvis Ordo Mass... I what, think you just said Nervous Ordo. <laughs> Novus Ordo, go ahead. <laughs> that's cute. Oh, I said Nervous Ordo? I, uh, well, nervous. that's what I heard. I don't know if you said it or not. Go ahead, Tom. If you go I to may, a Novus Ordo I Mass... Mm-hmm. And they, they offer communion in the hand... Should we refrain from receiving communion? No. You kneel before the priest and you put your tongue out. All right. Now, what if they, if they have a layperson distributing the host? You do the same thing. You kneel. Okay. I, one of my sisters, now, I have uh, troubled knees, and so I always kneel if it's a kneeler. But when we go to the Novus Ordo Mass, I'm not able to kneel on the floor and so I just make a profound bow, which is what's required, not a nod of the head, profound bow, 90 degrees from the waist. Um, and then I make a bow, and I stand up, and I put my tongue out. And that's how I receive, no matter who it is. And so you can okay, kneel. You can kneel on the floor and receive on your tongue. Not an issue. I, I will instruct my family to do that. Thank you, Mother, and God bless you. Okay, sweetie. All right. Um, we have a call from Luann. Hi, Luann. Hi, Mother. Hi. Thanks for Hi, calling God in, dear you, one. Mother. Thank you. Thanks. You too. 
Um, I know, talking about receiving the Holy Eucharist in our church, um, uh, we it, where, where I'm from, it's actually a Basilica of the of the Immaculate Conception in Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. we have the. They do a. They have a traditional Latin mass on uh, on Sundays at six o'clock, though. Okay. So they still have the kneelers, and our priest, what he has been doing, um, is we're allowed to go up to the kneeler and Good. receive from Good. them uh, as a regular a regular mass. Good. So, and Good. I found that is beautiful, but which is kind of strange, is most people won't kneel. I know uh, the, uh, the faith and has I'm been like, lost. Wow, wow! The, the faith has been yeah. lost. I went to a Novus Ordo that was our regular mass. The bishop canceled the traditional mass during the week, um, so it was Novus Ordo. And the and the new priest that came in, we still we've oh everyone for traditional or Novus Ordo always knelt mm-hmm. at the kneelers mm-hmm. always, no matter what the form of mass. But this priest uh, wasn't interested in respecting that. And so on his very first day, he came out, and the whole, the kneelers were filled with people. He came out, uh, down from the sanctuary, and stood there, and people lined up and received communion in their hand. And oh, those wow. that filled the kneelers, he went to reluctantly after everybody else received, because I was oh, on the kneeler. Goodness. And wow. we waited and waited and waited. Yeah. There are people who no longer have the faith. It's it's being destroyed it left and right. Yeah, it does. It's, okay, it's my, Luann. It's my whole my whole family. But my question is this: um, You have mentioned a couple of times a church going underground. Can you explain what that actually would mean? Like it means it. And now we have about we still with the Pope. Yes, you're still with the Pope. But uh, the right. people in China who had their church underground all these years, what they're doing is is praying and holding mass in secret in the basement of a building, in a forest, you know, someplace where the communists are not going to see them because they're in union with the Pope. But now, with the Pope's agreement with China, the, 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 the people of China, the rulers, went undest- destroyed the underground church, betrayed them, and um, the whole situation is terrible. So the people are being destroyed, their churches are being destroyed, and the underground church is being destroyed, and they sacrificed their lives for years, and now they've been betrayed. So it's an awful thing, but it means that, yes, we'd be in union with the Holy Father, but the persecution uh, would become so strong that we would need to go underground. Even if we disagreed with the Holy Father, we'd still be in union with the church. I, I don't have time to say more right now, Luann, but we'll speak with you on Monday. God bless you all.